Hi, friends. Welcome to another edition of the SparkCast. I hope you're really enjoying the interview that I'm having with Gary. Um, I know this is about a church plant, but as I've been thinking about it and listening to it a little bit, really, uh, this is about something bigger. Sure, we're talking about his journey and his move from Seattle to start Bayshore, but it's really about the journey of life and the journey of faith and the question about what is God doing within Christianity, within the movement of Jesus, and within church world. So I hope you're enjoying listening in, but really what I also hope is that some of what we are discussing sparks new thinking. Maybe it even sparks new ideas. Ultimately, maybe it sparks new questions about the nature and the activity of church. Perhaps it's even sparking new visions of what church could become and what potentialities there could be within the current existence of what church is. So, you know, it is possible that building and growing a church could get in the way of living in the way of Jesus. And so this conversation and many others are important for us to take a deeper look, ask some deeper questions. So without further ado, here is part two of How to Close a Church, an interview with Gary Hale. Now, you eventually took your church through some of the teachings and having some classes to help them embrace or at least understand the transition that you slash the church was going through. And that how was that received? Yeah, well, um, so it was about three months after that Easter uh, in June. I was always wrestling with, do I need to make like a public statement to our church and say, hey, here's where we, we land, just so everybody knows and we're, we're clued in. So I was always wrestling with that. And I think I would go, I would go back and forth. And um, it was finally like I was talking to one of my friends who's at a, an open affirming church that, kinda, that made this move, a big mega church that made this move maybe a year and a half before we did. I was talking to him about it, and I was kind of just wrestling with, like, do I really need to go public about this thing, like, Mm -hmm. within our community? Mm -hmm. I think they already know. And he just really encouraged me. He was like, if you don't, then you're you're going to always be faced with this living, this disintegrated life. Mm -hmm. Because with some people, you'll feel safe, and others, you won't, because you don't know where they stand, and they don't know where you stand. And Mm -hmm. one of my mentors said to me... um, pursue integration, let go of the results. Mm-hmm. And that's really stuck with me through this whole process is what does it look that's like for me advice. to live a fully integrated life yeah. and not care what that means for my own career, my job, um, and this dream that I had. Right. So I had to be willing to, to see this thing die in front of me if um, I wanted to faithfully keep going on the journey. So kind of talking to him, and then what happened was that week, this was the week of, I think, the week of the whole Orlando thing that happened. Mm. So that th- the Thursday before that, that happened on like a late Saturday night, Sunday, early Sunday morning. That's right. I had, Thursday yeah. I had decided I'm going to make a statement this weekend. I'm going for it. And then I woke up that Sunday morning. That morning, yeah. Um, I remember, yeah. My wife walks into our bedroom. She had gotten up before me and she's like, did you see the news? Yeah. And I was like, no, what are you talking about? He's like, there was a mass shooting at yeah. a gay bar in Orlando. Right. And like, was it 40, 50 people are dead. Right. I remember thinking to myself, like, this is so, like, unbelievable because so much of that hate, it actually stems out of a a Christian worldview. Mm. 
And so I just felt like even more energized, like I am going to do this this Sunday. Like if anything, this is an affirmation of like, Gary, you're on the right track. You're wanting to land on the right side of history in this thing mm. and to help change a conversation to help reform the church, even though you don't have a big name or brand or anything, but you can do what you can with your, with your community. So I did that Sunday. I um, went public and just said, we're going to be in a fully inclusive, open affirming church and uh, laid it out a little bit. I didn't really go into a ton of detail because what I said was we're going to hold like a whole class forum the following Saturday to dive into it with much more depth. So mm-hmm. we're going to hit like, we're going to hit the science side of things. We're going to hear actual testimonies from a few people that we know in our community and um, I'm going to deal with the Bible stuff, which props to my man over here, Kevin Nooner, <laughs> because I had noticed that Spark had gone through this conversation right. as a community um, maybe a couple months before we did. Yeah, it was in May. Yeah, so a month before. And I remember seeing that on, on your Facebook and like, oh my gosh, I need help putting together <laughs> something that's like meaningful and helpful to right. people that are wrestling right. with this. And I literally stole probably 80% of your content <laughs> and just recycled it for our community. The only things that were different were I put my name in and my story. That's, <laughs> that's, right. that's exactly what you're supposed to do. Yeah, exactly. I fully, I fully support it. <laughs> yes, guys, I got permission from him beforehand to yep. do this. Yep. Um, so, so yeah, we did, we did kind of all different angles and probably about 40, 50 people showed up to that. A handful of people that heard about it just kind of that weren't a part of our community showed up to it, which was really cool. But it was an amazing day. We just kind of really dove into it. And what I, what I found over the next, I'd say, maybe three, four months, because it's a little bit of a fizzle period. You have some people that are, like, not sure, but they'll stick around and see, like, how is this going to play out? You have some that are quickly going to just walk away and be like, I'm out of here. You guys are heretics. Um, but what I found was most were actually, like, already in the same place that right. I was and our team was. Mm-hmm. So to me, that was really important affirmation to... I think we're actually reaching a different audience as it relates to church Mm. because they don't think traditionally how church people think. So that was encouraging. We, you know, we lost um, only like a handful of people. So it wasn't that Mm -hmm. big, but they were kind of like the faithful Christians, the ones that like give financially. So, um, so then it was a little bit of just kind of waiting and seeing how is this going to play out? Like I already knew all my money was gone from outside now we've got a handful that aren't coming anymore. Let's see what this means for our finances and let's see what this means for our volunteer teams and for our attendance and all that. Um, and I think by the fall we had kind of gotten to like, okay, this is normalized, I think. Mm -hmm. But the only problem was that I was still deconstructing even more stuff as it relates to God. So this is a perfect transition because obviously the, the events of sexual identity and going through that whole um, issue was a big moment for your church and is a pretty big, I would say, tipping point for many of us who are trying to wrestle with hermeneutics, the Bible, was it teaching, yeah. all that kind of stuff. But the reality is that's just one aspect yep. of a much larger deconstruction that you've been going through that continued and persisted even after you had you know, made the decision Gosh, for the yep. church to be open and affirming. So between essentially June-ish, June 2016, and then leading up to your decision to close the doors of the church. Yep. For by, by the way, um, I need to say this out loud. For good reasons, 
um, not for the bad scandalous reasons that many people choose to close churches. This is like a good reason to close a church, which is what makes me so fascinated with your story. There's, there's a lot of movement going on in your soul and in your spirit. There's yeah. a lot of shifts and changes and questions and wrestlings that are happening. So, um, I mean, what, what do you think might have been the one or two big turning points for you leading up to that decision to essentially close the church? I mean, because you had stabilized, right? I mean, you had gotten to a yeah, point where you could sustain. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah. Um, so, as we hit the fall, I think, like... So much of this journey has been me trying to shed away all of the church growth attractional thing that's right. been a part of yeah. me. And and I think it was like I had an awakening of, okay, our church is about maybe 60 adults on a Sunday. Um, realistically, for finances' sake, and me to be like a full-time pastor— we need our church to probably be almost double that Mm -hmm. based on what I see as far as like the finances go and everything. So, you know, I'm thinking about, okay, if we want to really sustain and become and be like healthy and not always be like scraping by and stressed and worried and all that kind of thing, we have to grow. But the problem is where my journey had taken me to was to kind of the opposite because everything I wanted to talk about and I felt that was important spiritually and about God, the Bible are not church growth like things. They don't really work. They actually do the opposite right. is what I've learned. So in the fall, um, I decided to do a whole series on like deconstructing the Bible, asking what it is. Uh, is it actually God's word or is it not? And just proposing some, I, now I know, questions that people don't want to hear. <laughs> the Christians don't like those kinds of questions. <laughs> Because Rather than doing the five steps to a healthy marriage, you're like, here are the 17 <laughs> things wrong with how you're reading your Bible. Exactly. <laughs> and it was so funny because people got more angry and left over that than mm. they did over inclusion. Right. And it, it showed me just like, oh my word, like right. people, this, this Bible, man, you don't mess with this thing mm-hmm. or it's, it's, uh, it ticks people off. So, so that was happening in the fall and I'm wow. starting to continue to see like, okay, what I want to preach and teach is continuing to make people leave. But like I said, we need to grow in order for this thing to be sustainable. So that was kind of in this, just this last fall. And um, there were a number of things. So then financially, we hit the point where we're like, okay, we need to lay off all of our support staff. So we were operating as a church growth attractional church. Mm -hmm. So we had a lot of staff people. Um, So we had to make the decision based on losing funding and people leaving and all that. Like we need to cut all of our staff. So all of my part-time people, like the worship leader, kids ministry, um, utility people, um, they got to go. So we did that and we're like, okay, I think we could get to the black. And then um, within, right around like two weeks, a week before and like a week or two after that decision, I had also learned that we were going to have a few of our top givers and supporters of the church leave right. as well. Now, and these weren't like bad reasons. It was just like, hey, we're moving up to San Francisco. We don't want to make the commute. Right. We need right. night church. And that added up to probably 30% of our budget. So now I'm like, crap. I just laid off my staff and felt like, yeah, we can do it. Oh, wait, now we are losing even more of that. Right. So that was kind of like October, that was more actually November, I think, was when that was kind of playing out. And so I'm just trying to keep a pulse as the, the, the shepherd and the leader, like, okay, what's going on in my team right. right now? 
what's the general sense in our audience, in our community, and um, what's this really going to look like in the next six months or the next year? So then my wife and I, we for Christmas, we did a road trip up to Seattle to spend time with family, and um, we had just a lot of time away. It was probably about two and a half weeks that we were gone, and it really gave us a chance to kind of figure out what, what are we going to do with this thing because I've been feeling this pressure for a long time of the finances, you know, like when you lose 50 grand of support money yeah. from outside, I mean, that takes a toll on you. And so I've been trying to navigate this for so long. It's so stressful. And it was finally the point where my wife had said, it would be okay if you hmm. decided to close. So over I, over that okay. two week Christmas vacation. Yeah. We were having more conversations as I was telling her like, okay, here's where we're at financially. Like, this is not, it's not pretty right now at the end of December. Um, so we, we need to make a decision about what we're going to do. So I think she felt a little bit of that, that pressure in some ways. So she finally just said, uh, it's okay. And for the longest time I had kind of said, I didn't want to close the church unless she was in agreement with me. Mm-hmm. And so she got there and I said, okay, let's do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was in many ways confirmation for you. Yeah, it really was. And and so as a part of that, the other thing I was looking at was, so my team that was leading this whole whole thing is probably a team of five or six that were like the backbone of our ministry. I mean, if you hung out with us as a group, you could feel you could feel like this heavy burden or weight on the team. Especially, I'm saying I got to lay you off, but you still have to do everything. I need you to do and get another job. And I was trying to just pay attention to that as a pastor and like really care for them and make sure that I didn't do something that was detrimental to them long-term. And then thinking about how does that filter out into our whole group? So how, how does our team feel? Um, How, how about the volunteer, the next level, the volunteers that are really helping make this thing happen. And then finally, just in general for people that are showing up to this thing and I kind of just, this is where I'm, I took a guess. So I could be totally wrong and we could have turned a corner and rocked this thing. Mm-hmm. But I really felt like if we would have stayed open for another six months, that the burden and the weight on my teams specifically was going to crush them. Mm. And I just was unwilling to put my team through that. Mm. And for the sake of my dream and my job and my career, that's how it felt. Um, and so I was like, I think I need to, I need to pull a trigger and close this mm. thing down for the sake of the long-term spiritual health of my team. And then the story that gets told about this community um, in 10, 20, 30 years, I don't want it to be, Oh, thank God they closed this thing. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> right. Could you remember how bad it got? Right, it was horrible. Right. Everybody left the church. None of them even go to church anymore. They don't even, they hate God. You know, like I was like, I don't want to tell that story. Right. So it was a preventative measure and um, I understand that and it could have changed, but to me, that was all signals were pointing. That's going to be the story. Right. And, and even at a selfish level, I was just unwilling to put my family through that kind of mm. a mess. Like too many pastors do that. And then they, they just fall apart. And I was like, I do not want to be another casualty of ministry. And just to add additional weight, you had nowhere to go. No, no, I didn't have no a job. job. Uh, right. No, <laughs> no job, no backup plan. no, None of that. So yeah. you're making this decision on faith. Totally. Absolutely. <laughs> right? Yeah, no, we, we didn't have a plan of like, here's what's next. Okay, so you, you decided to close. What's the reaction from the people? 
when you announce eventually, yeah. um, which was fairly quick and abrupt. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a strategic measure for us. Um, yeah, we announced and said we'll have two more Sundays and then we're done. Yeah. Um, for the most part, I mean, I'll start with my team. My entire team was like, "Thanks, Gary." <laughs> right. I mean, they were feeling the burden. They yeah, were like, "This yeah. feels like a huge weight off my shoulders." So that was affirming to see. And then at a larger level in our community, I'd say almost everybody's been supportive and like, I get it. It makes sense. Now, I, why do you think they've been supportive? What's fun? What fundamentally is part of the congregation or the kind of community that has been created with, you know, Bayshore that has caused them to feel positive or at least have a positive response to this? Um, one of my stabs at that is it would be, I don't think Bayshore is the crutch for people of like, they're so bought into the brand called Bayshore. Hmm. I feel like we've really tried to say it's not just about our little kingdom we're making here. There's a bigger thing going on and we just participate at our level in it. And Hmm. faith is more about what's practiced outside these walls. Hmm. So I think that's just been a part of our DNA. Um, And I would say maybe it's again, just to guess, just the fact that I've been really open and honest about mm-hmm. like my journey, where we're at as a church. Like I, I've tried to be a leader that could be as authentic, maybe even too far. Sometimes I, I know there are people who have been like, Gary, you're like the leader. You're supposed to kind of have a little more together, at right. least, at least appear to. Right. Right. And I don't know. I, I just, I wanted to always be honest and upfront with our people. So maybe just the fact that they were like, Oh yeah, no, we've seen the whole journey. Like you've told us what's been going on. That authenticity, I think, is one of the things that makes me admire you and respect and honor kind of this journey that you've been on. I mean, you are going to get criticized for being that vulnerable. Um, You know, there are there is a certain level of expected censorship that we're supposed to have as the leaders of the community. But yet you seem to not have that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I my Lindsay tells me often you probably should have said that differently or you probably shouldn't have said that at all. Like you can't do that. But in many ways, I guess this is, this is one of the, this is one of the things that's so cool as a result of that kind of leadership, the church, the people, they saw the journey far before an announcement that the church is closing. They were able to be, they, they were actually walking alongside with you in it because of your vulnerability. Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. That's yeah. incredible. So you've, you're, you're done. You've I'm closed, done. You've closed the doors Two weeks of the ago, we closed this puppy. It's pretty crazy. It's amazing. So I think one of the things that I, I'm curious about is, um, I, and I've said this to you before, you seem, or at least my opinion is that you closed the doors of the church for the right reasons rather than yeah. for the wrong reasons. Now, I think I have an opinion as to what those right reasons are. I want to hear from you. Why do you think, what were the right reasons that this was the right decision? That's question number one. Then okay. I'll get to question number two in a little bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is so multi-layered, And so I think more and more comes out the more I talk with different people and, and different audiences. Because I think, like I said, number one, it was how does this affect people if we continue on? I don't think it affects people in a healthy, spiritually beneficial way. So that was number one. Number two was, um, and I haven't said this one too publicly, but I don't mind saying it right now. Uh, 
I am still in a little bit of my deconstruction mode. Right. And I kind of recognize that as the leader of a community, I can't subject my people to my deconstruction every single week. Mm -hmm. I think, I think that's hard for a community to handle. Like mm. when I get up and I'm like, Hey, you know that thing called the Bible that you really, really love? Mm -hmm. Let me tell you what's wrong with it. <laughs> like, okay, you can do that. But then I can't the next week be like, Hey, what about hell? Right. Let's talk about that one. Right. You know, like I think at some level I started to like even see the faces of people in our audience as I'm speaking and being like, I think I'm like, just, I'm just hurting these people right now. Like, it's just like painful. They can't handle that much. So, so in many ways it's a pastoral decision. Yeah, it really was very pastoral. Yeah. Very much the way of Jesus in many ways. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's what I'm, I'm leaning you're, into. You're trying to love these people with the tension and with the personal journey that you're on. And in your evaluation of things. This is the best way to love them. This is the best way to care for them. Yeah. Yeah. In this chapter, in this particular season. Um, my next question would be what fundamentally have you learned or concluded as a result of this, um, you know, little over two year journey that you've been on with this church plant called Bayshore? Yeah. The way of Jesus is a lot wider and more expansive than I ever mm. thought it was. A lot more is included in it, in the journey. Mm. That's a big one. Um, yeah, God is just so much bigger and so much more loving too. I think mm. that's where I've really gotten to. Number two, at a career-centric kind of perspective, I would say, um, how do I say this without sounding like a bitter, mean-spirited... <laughs> ex-church planter. Um, <laughs> church needs to change hmm. drastically if hmm. we're going to really move forward. Hmm. Now, that's a whole multi-layered conversation that we couldn't get into today, but I just think the box I knew, evangelical, church plant, church growth, get people in the, into the box, make sure they serve and give. If they do that, they're golden. I just think that's crap. Like, we've got to go further than that. And why does it need to change? And what does it look like if you were to go further than that? Yeah. Um, it needs to change because that is a, an addiction to American success business form of church. And if when I look at the life and way of Jesus, uh, it's not a journey upward. It seems like it's a journey downward. Hmm. And it's a it's a power under to, through service rather than a power over to domineer. And I think that church growth model, um, I just don't think it, it produces that kind of discipleship in mm -hmm. people. So um, we could talk about that for days. Yeah, yeah but, that's huge what you just said. Uh, that's a big one. And then what was the, what did you say again? What does it look like? So you said oh, we, need like push, forward. we need to push it forward. Yep. What would it look like then if we were yeah. to push through all of this? Yeah, uh, so I, I go to a, a particular book that I read that was really meaningful for me. It's called The Critical Journey, and it's a book about spiritual formation. It talks about the stages of faith. Mm. There are, based on this author's research, six stages that you go through in your journey, and what I've learned is the church as it stands today, kind of American Christianity, evangelicalism, it, only, it does a one, two, three tango dance. 
And what, what I mean by that is mm. you come to faith, then you start to learn, and then you start to serve. Mm. So those are the three, and we kind of just do this little tango. We just keep going around, and that's why people leave churches all the time, because they're like, well, I've done all the things I'm mm. supposed to do that the system has developed for them, and it won't bring them along the journey, which there's three more steps in the whole thing mm. that are a lot more about inner life, inner questions. Mm. And so I think I share all that because I think the point is that we need churches that can take people through the entire journey to, to put them on this path where they can begin to wrestle with a lot more as it relates to faith. Because I think it's too much just about activity. I do these certain things mm. to achieve my relationship with God. But at some point, I think every person of faith, they just hit a wall and it's or called the dark night of the soul, I think is what I've heard the phrasing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we don't know what to do with people when they do that. And that, that's really my story. It's um, what do you do with a person that faith kind of crumbles? They begin to ask new questions. They begin to look at things differently. So, um, but I think maybe in just a couple other little snippets, I'd say it's, it's got to be um, more relational, more communal than anything else. I just feel like that's, that's the big thing that, I don't know. It's a hard, hard thing to do when you want to throw an organization into that. Right. Cause it's like, I don't know. It's just, it, yeah, it's a challenging thing. Do you still feel moved and inspired by the way of Jesus? Oh and, yeah. And, and in what ways? Oh gosh, let's see. Yeah. This, this Jesus thing, it's got to keep going forward. We, yeah, we got to re- keep releasing this thing out there. Um, I'm inspired because I look at some of the people that I've been in community with, that I've been in this whole process with through Bayshore, and seeing what it's developed inside of them, where they are just some of the most phenomenal people trying to live and love in the way of Jesus. Like, oh gosh, it's, it's just like invigorating when you find that group of people that's like, I really want to know what this looks like for faith to be practiced right here, right now. And so I don't, yeah, I think... There's some good stuff happening in the church right now that needs to keep getting pushed forward. That's awesome. Gary, your story's amazing. I'm, I am. I'm really moved by it. I'm really intrigued by it. I think it's an amazing journey that I don't think I've ever really heard because you're in pursuit of the way of Jesus. And I think that's what's so amazing. So yeah. thanks Thank for sharing. You. Thanks. Thanks.